Oh yeah, today on the show, the Eucharist takes flight, taking care with our words. Pope St. John Paul II talks about work, our picks of the week, and so much more. The Catholic Underground starts now. Alleluia, alleluia. Oh my, oh my. Yes, it is time for the CU Weekly. We are the podcast that tries to cut through the noise of the digital continent and bring you the topics that matter. It's episode number 345. Oh, I'm Father Chris Decker. Joining me this week, we got Kathleen Lee. She's the religion teacher. She's a campus minister at Archbishop Chappelle High School in New Orleans. Actually, yep. Metairie, technically. Yeah, technically Metairie. And she's our locally sourced faith ninja. Hello, Kathleen. Hello, everyone. That's right. I guess everybody on Earth knows where Metairie is. Oh, I mean, now that we have Google Earth, you know, Google sure. Maps. There you go. It's also, almost New Orleans. Almost New Orleans. That's right. Uh, and uh, very much here, Olivia Galino, student of life, our resident Italian food critic, you finished your your um, your oral exams, yes, right? I have finished all of the the biggin exams. Yes, and now I just have the my, written my chorus exams. Oh my! Yes, Ew. so uh, so she yeah. still joins us. Uh, thank you, Olivia, for, mm-hmm. for being part of the CU. Thank you. And uh, up in space, we got Jeff Blackwell. He's the technical director of the CU. He's the commandant of the Just Star One Near Earth Orbit Satellite. Uh, hello, Jeff. Thank you, Father. Good to be here. Also, we've got Ed Ball in the video. Um, well, it's like this big mech suit that you actually have to work around. But anyway, Ed's in the video cave. <laughs> and we've got uh, Katie, Katie, the real cat lady. She is. She has two cats, right? Two, yeah. Two cats. Uh, she's also working with graphics uh, today in the video cave up in space. So there we go. That's all of us. Um, here and, and here we are back uh, from a, a couple of weeks away uh, because uh, the Easter season is lovely. And it's nice to take mm-hmm. a little bit of a break. And we usually do. Um, and then uh, I had to buy bookshelves. So, I mean, let's just be honest. I wasn't here last week because I had a, a, a trip kind of crop up at the last second where another priest said, hey, uh, I need bookshelves. Do you need bookshelves? And so we make a, a lowercase p pilgrimage to the nearest Ikea, which is... Ikea, which was right, the yeah. greatest yeah. email yes. I've ever gotten in my life. I was oh, yeah? Like, that I, was wonderful. I re- Usually, you know, when we don't have a show, I'm like, oh, this time there was rejoicing <laughs> in my heart. Like, I saw Ikea and I went, yeah. I just I was expecting you know I'm deathly ill we can't have no. the show or something and but then instead he says I need to cancel the show I'm really sorry I need to go to IKEA and buy bookshelves and I was just like that that's, is the best excuse that's legit yeah you go priest yeah. not even an excuse that's just a valid reason and, and I must say uh, now now you know the truth right oh, it wasn't oh they're taking uh, Divine Mercy Sunday off I did in fact have Divine Mercy Sunday it was wonderful yes. liturgy uh, in in my churches. Um, but uh, but then yes, so. it's very Houston. good for yeah for you and I, you to have an intellectual pursuits and you need it's true the yeah. and, and honestly capacity. and honestly it, we don't we as priests don't get a very uh, much of an opportunity to travel with other priests you know yeah. it doesn't happen very often at least where I where I am so mm-hmm. it was a good thing but we're good it's good to be back and <laughs> and uh, so Divine Mercy Sunday was last Sunday for us if you're listening to us in a time shifted manner mm-hmm. it will have been being Divine Mercy Sunday and uh, and so we go from the beautiful gift of Saint Faustina uh, in in uh, the revelation to her of Jesus as the the divine mercy um, and, and that actually comes to us by way of Saint John Paul II's devotion to her as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Saint Faustina was a Polish mystic. We know certainly uh, her her book Divine Mercy in My Soul. We know about the chaplet. Uh, we know about the litany to to the Most Blessed Sacrament. Um, we know that as a mystic, she was allowed to see heaven. She was allowed to see hell and to see purgatory. 
and that uh, Jesus spoke to her and she spoke back to him. Uh, so very much, very much a mystic. Um, and in that diary, uh, Divine Mercy in My Soul, which is actually a pretty uh, readable read mm -hmm. as things go, um, there was a passage that was dated that dated back to the late 1920s, and she shares a lot of fascinating stories about personal encounters with Jesus Christ in apparitions and him appearing to her, but also in the Eucharist. And so there's one story that's kind of buried there in the book that we thought we'd bring out because it's it's one that doesn't get a whole lot of press. In fact, it was making um, making the rounds on on social media. So um, uh, the story stands out. She was praying in the convent's chapel, and here's here's her quote. She said, "One day Jesus said to me." I am going to leave this house, unquote, uh, because there are things here which displease me, quote. Hmm? Then something strange happened. The Eucharist left the tabernacle on its own and flew to her. Hmm. And the host came out of the tabernacle and came to rest in my hand, according to her words. And uh, I, I was thinking about this today because I just, I've just returned from a church dedication. And one of the solemn things about a church dedication that takes place is, of course, you, you walk into the church and nothing has been blessed. So, so the altar is not blessed, um, the, the, the Blessed Sacrament is not the tabernacle, there are no candles, the lights are actually off. And so what almost beautifully, literally happens is the church is baptized and brought into the faith. Nice. So the, the church and its people are sprinkled with holy water, just like baptism, right? Mm -hmm. um, the, the, um, the altar is chrismated, so chrism is rubbed on the altar and then on the walls of the church, so just like it's being confirmed, huh? Yeah. And the very last thing that happens is the Blessed Sacrament is put in the tabernacle in the same way that you might uh, adore the Blessed Sacrament for, uh, for benediction and exposition and benediction of the Blessed Sacrament. And so, yeah. and so there's this big, beautiful altar um, that, the, that the tabernacle was enshrined in in the church where I was going to the dedication. And so can you imagine the host flying out of the tabernacle and resting in your hands. Um, I mean, we believe, of course, that the Eucharist is, is Jesus Christ's body, blood, soul, and divinity, and, uh, and just miraculously started moving around the room, landed in your hand. I, I don't know how I would react. Yeah. I would probably just um, do nothing. Yeah, just <laughs> freeze. Mm -hmm. Well, I think uh, it shocks us so much because we forget that, you know, the Eucharist is more person than it is bread. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, it, he, it's a, it's a he, mm -hmm. is, is in the tabernacle of his own volition. So That's right. he can leave if he wants to. Yeah, uh, John the 23rd, Pope John the 23rd speaks about him as being the prisoner of love. He willingly yeah. places himself uh, in the tabernacle for us, yeah. for, for our sake. And so, uh, you know, he says, yeah, um, I am going to leave this house. And so he flies into the hand, his, the Eucharist flies into the hand of St. Faustina. So how did she respond? She says, and I quote, I with joy placed him back in the tabernacle, unquote. And, and so she said that this was repeated a second time, and she said she did the same thing. Despite this, it happened a third time. After the third time, though, something new happened. Quote, the host was transformed into the living Lord Jesus, who said to me, I will stay here no longer. Now, Jesus told her twice that he wants to leave, and, and she has prevented him multiple times from doing this. Hmm. And after this second declaration, don't you think that St. Faustina would relent? No, she confidently tells our Lord that she just won't let him leave the convent. And she explains, quote, At this, a powerful love for Jesus rose up in my soul. I answered, and I will not let you leave this house, Jesus. And again, Jesus disappeared while the, white, while the host remained in my hands. Once again, I put it back in the chalice. Uh, actually, it would be in the ciborium, huh? And closed it up in the tabernacle. This time, Jesus relented, she said, and Jesus stayed with us. Um, and she didn't leave it at that. Jesus said that he wanted to, to leave due to the things that displease me. 
And so in a very saintly manner, she took it upon herself to try and atone for the problem. Mm -hmm. She said, I, I undertook uh, to make three days of adoration by way of reparation. And I think that's really kind of the kernel for us is is we have a very important um, uh, spiritual ability to atone for the sins of others. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes we forget that. And this was a very stark way, kind of a mystical way for the Lord to say, there are things that are happening here that, that, yeah. that don't please me. And it was, it was a very vivid reminder, as so many of the saints who are mystics uh, undergo, it was a very vivid reminder that we can become people of atonement. Huh? Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, and, and I recently have, have kind of rediscovered some of that, um, you know, be, being a pastor in the parish, there are a lot of things that, um, that I haven't caused by my priesthood, but yeah. that are present, um, you know, just the, the drama of, of family life, the drama mm -hmm. of things going on in the church, you know, there's no perfect parish, there are no perfect parishioners, there's no perfect priest, but, but as a spiritual father, I can atone um, and ask reparation for for the sins that have been committed, mm -hmm. um, and we can do the same thing in, in families. Fathers, uh, that's very important for you to do um, with, with your family, your entire family, generationally speaking, to atone for perhaps some of the things that uh, that you are are the indirect recipient of. Mothers, certainly, mm -hmm. you know. And I think too that we forget that not only can we help to atone for, for things that have been done or, or damage that has been done. But we just forget in a general sense that our prayers are very efficacious, especially yes. for the people that we've been entrusted with, you That's know, right. our family, our friends, yeah. so when you say, the people in our care. I'm going to pray for you, then you should. You should, yeah, <laughs> right. and, mm -hmm. and know that it actually makes a difference, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and it's so funny, um, not funny in the ha-ha way, but reading this this story reminds me a lot of, of Genesis when um, Abraham intercedes for yeah. Sodom and Gomorrah. Yes. Um, and says, you know, starts with 50 people. It's like, Lord, if there are 50 people, and he doesn't let go, you know, and you read yeah. that story whenever yeah. it's read in, in mass or, or just in a, a academic setting or a Bible study or whatever, it always seems like he's being really bold, and you kind of—at least me—like I get nervous. Like, stop talking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's Moses. You're like, he's already said yes. Just, yeah. just leave it alone. Yeah. He said fifty. Fifty's good, right? But he doesn't. He doesn't let go. Right. He's yeah. like this pit bull, and um, and I think that reminds me a lot of what Saint Faustina is doing mm -hmm. here. You know, she continues to put him back in the tabernacle, and even after he mm -hmm. appears to her as the Lord in body. She continues. She says, "I'm not going to let you mm -hmm. leave because she yeah. knows how important that he is." And, and so, like, that's just a very striking example of discipleship and yeah. like our relationship with the Lord is a relationship. He it wants is. us. Yeah. He, it's not just like do whatever you want. Everything's fine. Just okay. You want to leave? Okay, you can go. We'll figure it out. You know, it's yeah. it's yeah. really about we call that dialogue. therapeutic deism. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's what it's called, huh? Where we just kind of treat God as as. Uh, uh, as I often say, uh, kind of a drive-through technician. You know, mm -hmm. you, you order something on the big box and you drive through and you expect them to give it to you. But no, no, the Lord does. He desire. He doesn't expect a relationship from us. He desires it. Yeah. And and I mean, the Lord knew full well what He was going to do with Saint Faustina. You know. Yeah. And and this is what happened, huh? A powerful love for Jesus rises up in my soul, she says, and I will not let you leave this house. Mm -hmm. um, he he allows all this to take place so that she we can respond to him. And that's why, you know, um, that's why we, we oftentimes live the crosses, right, that, that we're given, that we, don't, uh, that we don't take upon ourselves willingly. But to be able to, to walk through those crosses, to be able to atone for, for crosses that are not ours, mm -hmm. um, 
that is a way in which we invite the Lord to stay with us. And of course, um, we remember the, the Emmaus reading, right? Uh, right the Emmaus yeah, yeah. gospel, where where Jesus is, is kind of, um, he, he disguises his glory from those downcast uh, disciples. And he speaks to them nothing of, of, of the scriptures, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, just interpreting how the Messiah is the Messiah. And something begins to happen. Their heart begins to burn within them. And he's making on like he's going to keep going. He's going to stay with us. Yeah. And that's exactly what our Lord did. He was, he was trying to draw St. Faustina. Huh? Before she was St. Faustina, trying to draw Sister Faustina yeah. into a deep relationship. Stay with us. Mm-hmm. Stay with us. And that's... Yeah, I started to read the um, her her diary. Mm-hmm. Haven't gotten very far, but um, I I love just the relationship that she has with with the Lord. Like it's, it's very, very candid. Yeah, it it really is. Like you know, he's like, I gotta go, and she's like, No, I'm just gonna put you back. You know, right. he's like, I'm no, I'm out of here. And she's like, No, mm-mm, you know, uh, and and that's just kind of like I love how how real it is. Yeah. without being disrespectful, mm-hmm. you know, because a lot of it's it's not a it's not a casual, no. but you're right. It's very real and very candid. Like, you know, um, just the idea that, you know, oftentimes when the Lord would speak to her, she was just like, no, I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to go and visit this place. And he's like, no, nope, you're not. Mm-hmm. She's like, oh yeah, I'm going. He's like, okay, well, this is what's going to happen. You yeah. know, and it does. And, and, and then she has to come back and, you know, um, uh, but, but it very much is, is, is just very real, yeah. um, very approachable and, 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 not only does she, is she drawn closer to the Lord, but the Lord responds to her. Right. Right. Like he doesn't say, no, yeah. I am leaving. Yeah. He says, okay. You know? And that's the movement of divine mercy mm-hmm. right. is, is we see the, the willingness that our God has and even, even the, the lengths that he's willing to go to, to be with us. Yeah. And that's really kind of the crux. In fact, you see it in, in, um, in the beginning and kind of the grain of sand that becomes the beach that is mm-hmm. his divine mercy. You see it in this story where he's showing the lengths he's willing to go if we respond to him, that he wants to forgive, that he wants to draw us back. Yeah. And I think sometimes we forget about that relationship that's called forth. And it's supposed to be a real one. It is a real one. But but we can treat it something like a business decision, you know, mm-hmm. just a handshake. Or we, or we can treat it um, sometimes just as a, uh, as a fabricated kind of relationship. We know what those are like, too. You know, you have this cordial relationship with somebody where you where you meet along the street and you you tip your hat to them and they tip their hat back mm-hmm. and that's the that's the extent of it. That's not what our God wants cuz Jeff God is in love with us. Yeah. The creator created us and we are created for love. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, St. Faustina and the saints always kind of image that back to us and yeah. and uh, it's always good of course in the Easter season to to meditate upon the depths of that love. And the Emmaus reading is a good one. Um, I think his encounter with St. Mary Magdalene is another mm-hmm. uh, one. And then, of course, his appearing to the apostles in the upper room when they are afraid. And he says, peace be with you. He breathes on them. They receive the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, they're ready to go out. Mm-hmm. You know, that that is that is Easter joy. And, of course, uh, that's why we come to you uh, here on the Catholic Underground is to share the joy of the liturgical seasons that we're in. And, uh, and so hopefully um, y- you won't fly away from us because we are the Catholic Underground. Oh yes, uh, you are listening to the Catholic Underground. We are online at catholicunderground.tv. You can find all of our informations there if you want to learn about our apostolate, who we are, what we do. If you want to listen to some podcasts uh, from the past, you can do that. 
we're working on getting all of our uh, older podcasts on the new website. We do have a new website Ooh. that you can take a look mm-hmm. at. And, uh, and I must admit that pastoral duties have kept me away from updating the, uh, the backlog. Come on. I know, you right? Have other things Excuses. to do. Yeah, I don't have all that time to do all the Souls archive to work. to take care of and whatever. Who cares? And all that. Uh. <laughs> I'm just kidding. A lot of you should care. This we all care. Good. Everyone that's right. cares. That's right. Uh, so, so anyway, you, you're, you're back more than welcome to. Backchat me. I'm sorry. That's, that's okay. Yeah, Backchat at CatholicUnderground.com. Attention, Kathleen. Now, yeah, that voice you heard. I'm Father Chris, by the way. Uh, Jeff Blackwell's in space. Olivia Galino is here. Kathleen Lee is that voice that you heard. Our picks of the week are certainly coming up. Uh, but but first, we want to talk about talking about people. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, the the anchorist uh, Elizabeth Scalia uh, writes very often, and uh, and like so many of the the posts that we bring you that we talk about, uh, she she also kind of cross posts on Aletheia. And, uh, and she talks about a very kind of sticky subject. Yeah. And it's like, it's, it's the sin that none of us really wants to talk about because <laughs> we secretly are doing it more often than mm-hmm. we would like. And that's gossip. Yeah. Falling into gossip. It's easy to do. We don't want to talk about it, but because we we're too about, busy talking yeah. about other people. That's right. Yeah, yeah, it's a hot mess. I was actually talking to um, some friends of mine uh, last night about, um, you know, like being a woman and being an adult and how like you know i have to avoid situations where there is gossip and like oh yeah yeah, me too and i was like no 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 i really have to because it's something that i've struggled with a lot um when i was in high school Mm -hmm. um gossip and talking about people and and um and it's just it's i think you know i i know that this is not a one gender subject but Mm -hmm. i know women um tend to struggle with it a lot more. Mm-hmm. But I love this quote. She, she says, gossip sells the dignity of others, but dehumanizes us for the purchase. Mm. Yeah, that's that's often what I say in the confessional is is that gossip is a currency, especially in small towns and things yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. It's it's buying and trading the secrets of others, yeah, you know, true. and dehumanizing everybody. Yeah, and oftentimes, mm-hmm. you know, we think, you know, we'll talk about what it feels like, and oftentimes we feel like we're building ourselves up, but in the, we're really not. We're tearing our own selves down while tearing other people down. It's just destructive. Yep. So gossip is, is a sinister thing that slithers its way into our life. Like the a, snake. Yeah, a lot of times we're like, oh, you know. You surely will not die. Yeah, mm. well, a lot of times we're like, well, you know, I, I don't want to say anything. But yeah, and before we know it, we're just like it's none of mine. Never yeah. mind. I don't say a word, uh-huh. not one single word. But yeah, but <laughs> even the word, even the word itself, even the word gossip uh, announces its low and slithering nature with a hiss. Goss. Unless she starts talking about it, the hiss. Yeah, gossip. Yeah, Ugh. because we have proper microphone balancing, we don't have those hisses. Yeah. But you know, it's you're a, welcome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So Elizabeth Scalia, she writes about this, and she she compares the sound and effect of gossip to the serpent. Mm. It's, it's awesome. She says gossip releases a toxic venom that usually resides within us. Oof. Its release makes us feel so much better for an instant, at least, because in the moment of the flick, she talks about the the oh, flick, like the flick being of like, a tongue. Yeah, mm. um, we connect yeah. to the people who agree with us. Mm-hmm. Ah. Right, but the wounds of gossip are deep and lasting. Man, oh man! And this is so true. Like for for an instant, we're like, yeah, don't you think that? Yeah, me too. Okay, and you feel good about yourself, but mm-hmm. it's so fleeting. Yeah. Right, and then hopefully, if you have a, a well-formed conscience, um, you know, you'll start to you'll start to feel it. She says the poison redounds back upon us. 
and shrivels our souls just a little more. Ooh. I know. It's like, I'm reading this, and I'm like, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Thy soul is a fig, <sighs> a prune. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> because, because gossip, slithery, slithery, sl- mm-hmm. uh-huh. yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. slithery sin that it is. Good. Yeah. Slinks its way through the deadly sins of pride, wrath, envy. They stick to it, right? Mm. And perhaps sometimes even um, the other four as well. And when we're carrying an awful lot of spiritual sickness within us, oh right, it starts to affect us. Yeah. And this is where, um, you know, where, where the sin of, go- of gossip yeah. can, can start off so small. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes, I would venture to say, sometimes well-meaning. Right. Sometimes, yeah. not Some, all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it you, begins Obviously, two wrongs don't make a right. But. Right. Or we feel, or mm-hmm. we, we allow ourselves to feel that it's well-meaning. But That's right, that, that I genuinely care for the other person, so I'm telling another person right. about this situation mm-hmm. for their own good. Let's talk about you know, it so that we can Down help in the them. South, we say, well, bless their heart. Bless, bless their, their heart. heart. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. I've heard that many, many a times. Well, Pope Francis has spoken often on gossip and always with tremendous directness and clarity, mm-hmm. right? There's no need to beat around the bush. Right? And, and he I, does not. I've been in situations where as adults, you know, women have been talking about it. And, and unfortunately, it hasn't always been me. But I, I have um, witnessed other women come in and say, hey, cut it out. Mm-hmm. Like, quit it. And I'm always like, yes, thank you. I mm-hmm. wish that I had more um, directness than that. Um, and, and in 2013, in April of 2013, Pope Francis said this. I don't know why, but there's a dark joy in gossiping. Mm. Sometimes we begin by saying nice things about another, but then we slip into gossip, making the object of our chatter merchandise to be bartered. Let us ask forgiveness because when we do this to a friend, we do it to Jesus mm. because Jesus is in this friend. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What? That's, yeah, that's what happens when we treat each other like Ferengi. Sorry, that was a Star Trek reference. Oh, okay. Because yeah. right. okay, uh, like, Father oh. Ryan is in here. It's okay. Keep going. <laughs> You're like yeah, okay. yeah, no, we just yes. buy and sell and buy and sell. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And so yeah. this this dark joy, gossip's dark joy, is a perversion of real joy, mm. right? Which should always be light and bear light, right? Yeah. The, the product of joy of this joy should be um, should be light. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, Whereas gossip just bears heat. Right. Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Indulging in gossip only invites us to continue to seek out joy in dark places. Oh. Right. What makes gossip joyful is the sense of superiority it gives us over another, mm-hmm. yeah. um, which is so true. We lose sight of our own flaws. We um, we lose our own humility. Yep. Right. Um, and we build ourselves up in the creation of of another. Um, and though we may well hate ourselves in a million different ways, at least we're not like him or her. Yeah. That's what we. That's what we do. We create. A calf yeah. that, that we can deal with, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, Trample on the insecurities of other people mm-hmm. so yeah. we can forget about our own. Oh. Yeah. And, and I love this this idea of seeking out joy in dark places. And no, and I don't love this idea, but I. I the, the, the concept yeah, of it. The yeah, the concept of it. And, and knowing that when we do that, when we seek out joy in dark places, because we do this not only with gossip, but yeah. through most sin in our lives. Yeah. Um, we, we have to remember that it's always fleeting. Yeah. It's always temporary. Um, and it's always at the expense of ourselves and others. That's right. right? And this is not real joy. This is we're talking about the perversion of real joy. It always reminds me of like a Psalm 139. Mm-hmm. Psalm 139 talks about being fearfully and wonderfully made. Mm-hmm. And and uh, there's a little meditation in Psalm 139 that says, where can I, where can I flee from your presence? Yeah. And if I if I fly to the farthest end of the sea, even then you are there. 
If I try to hide myself and say, I will let the darkness be my light, even darkness is not dark for you. And that's always what the evil one tries to slither in and get us to do is to make the darkness our light. But but we are always confronted with Christ, mm-hmm. always. Yeah. And that's, of course, what a well-formed conscience, that's what kind of snaps us back, gives us the guilty feeling for what we've done. Sure. And the mm-hmm. guilt is supposed to move us back to contrition. Right. It's right. when your conscience begins to die that you begin to just kind of feed upon mm-hmm. that currency, huh? that buying and selling yeah. of, of uh, gossip. Yeah, exactly. I mean, as Pope Francis has said, as many, many saints throughout uh, throughout time, have have reminded us we are meant to see and serve the Christ Mm. Jesus that resides within each of us within me the gossiper within the person that I'm gossiping to the person I'm gossiping about Um, Elizabeth Scalia writes uh, the very same Jesus who was ridiculed and gossiped gossiped about and judged around the courtyard fire and amid the palaces (laughs) of Herod and Pilate resides within the subject um, of our gossip yep. and that that is what makes gossip darker than we have ever imagined we gossip and it is in the direction of christ and goodness and evil are face to face once again as at eden mm-hmm. right? as in the desert of temptations my goodness so how kathleen how yes. we've talked about uh, talked it up how do we break away yeah from this gossip can become a habitual sin yes and we I'm like yeah. we know with habitual sins it's like it's like i'm not going to one day stop eating cheetos and lose <laughs> a billion pounds just because I, I want to it has to be you have to work at it right That's it's true. not a decision that i that you know habitual things That's right or you have to work at there the near occasion difficult. of cheetos mm-hmm. yeah. it's dangerous there right up there with gossip so what do we got to do right so one she suggests ask your guardian angel to keep you from the sin of gossip yeah. by prompting your awareness be aware of it once you enlist the help of your angel your awareness will immediately be heightened yeah right and you'll find yourself going mm, this this is not a, p- right. a position that i need to be in i need to walk away from this and that brings you to the second right one. number you two you can begin to pick learn up on to it. recognize gossip yeah. when it shows up i am so much better now as an adult and now there are often times that i do slip back into this mm-hmm. um but I'm so much more aware of it now and when I don't need to be in a situation. Um, So in business or social ventures, discussions um, often segue into gossip. They start- Priests are really good at that too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, it's quite natural and oftentimes unintentional. But if talking about someone else's business makes you feel good, uh, if it gives you a tingle of excitement or or somehow reassures you that you're really much better than the subject of your conversation, you might be gossiping. (laughs) So if it feels good, but you're not actually discussing something good about another then don't do it yeah right ask yourself would i want someone talking about me in this way would i would i insert my name to this oh that's it yeah there you go right the answer is no bye see you get out Mm, the conversation right number three once you realize that you're engaging engaging in gossip stop it just stop it i had a friend who who used to tell me that when i went to africa he we'd be talking about something he'd be like stop it and I'm like, oh, okay, just stop it. Get Sometimes away from it. Sometimes the shock it, therapy right? works. Yeah. Take the advice of the saints and try to turn your conversation towards positive things. Yeah. Be that person who says, hey, this conversation, you don't have to be like, this conversation is not helpful, you know, but just like, hey, this isn't good. We need to change the subject, right? Yeah, exactly. And number four, pray for the person in the group that you've gossiped about. You mm-hmm. may even want to go to them and say, and ask for their forgiveness. That, right? by the way, is a penance that I've given mm-hmm. and may be one that I've received before. Right. And mm-hmm. so, and so this, I mean, prayer is always important. Forgive, seeking forgiveness is always important That's as well. Right. That's right. And making reparation is a way to do that too. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, don't go anywhere because we're going to be right back on the other side of the break. You're watching the CU Weekly. We're glad you're here.
A prayer for vocations. O God, who wills not the death of a sinner, but rather that he be converted and live, grant we beseech you through the intercession of the Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, Saint Joseph her spouse, and all the saints, an increase of laborers for your church, fellow laborers with Christ, to spend and consume themselves for souls. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. Welcome back to the Catholic Underground. You have found me. I am Father Chris Decker, and we're joined by Olivia Galino. We're joined by Kathleen Lee. We're joined by Jeff Blackwell, who's up in space. Our picks of the week are coming up, but first... We thought we'd talk a little bit about uh, the benefit of work, because work is, uh, well, it's something you can't really escape. Nope. It's, uh, in fact, it's, it's been here since, since before Genesis. It's been here specifically mm-hmm. with Genesis, huh? to mm-hmm. be a co-worker in the vineyard with the Lord. Um, and, and of course, uh, it, is, it is the presence, of, believe it or not, it's the presence of sin that makes work hard. Right. Yeah. You were always meant to work, yeah. which is one of the, like, the things when you read Genesis, you realize that... that Man was created so that he could work, so yep. that he could uh, have dominion over the animals, but so he could till the earth and keep it and garden. That's right. Yeah. Um, we were supposed to be the original gardeners. Yeah, of Eden. They're of worse Eden. things. Yeah. Hmm. It's paradise. Must have been nice. Not too shabby. That's right. Um, yeah, so th- there's always that idea of work as punishment, um, especially mm. because we live in a society where, you know, some, uh, some people, especially like in communist nations they're sentenced to hard labor yeah, you know we, we hear right. that a lot and we think of work being like um something that takes me away from my leisure time when in fact work is the cause of leisure time mm-hmm. um you know it's the thing that comes before that allows your leisure to be leisurely um so it's hard to think sometimes about is there a spirituality to work um and even it, going to the scriptures you you find like in ecclesiastes or koheleth depending on the translation you're reading and we hear vanity of vanities all, all is vanity, vanity. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what does man gain by the toil at which he toils under the sun uh, and we can talk about koheleth another time because <laughs> he has he has some good points but but you read that and you're like yeah there's right he's right there's no mm-hmm. point I, why do I do it? Oh gosh, you know, mm-hmm. but why do I work? And and it's true. Our work can seem futile sometimes. It can seem like we're just in this cyclic motion that doesn't seem to be going anywhere, and it, and it may even leave us exhausted or irritated or discouraged yeah. in our place in life. But John Paul II and all the many great things he did, he also wrote an encyclical called Laborum Exorcens. And if you have time, I strongly suggest that you read this because it's about work and workers and the the dignity and the rights of workers. But also... It's interesting that he, of all people, should be writing about that, right? Oh, yeah. Because he he knew what it was to see work used as as a punishment. Exactly. And he knows what it is, or he knew what it was to see work used as as a tool to degrade an individual. Right, to Mm -hmm. exploit people. Mm -hmm. Um, And he made it very clear that our work, especially as laity, because this is an encyclical written to the laity. Um, it's part of God's divine plan for us that we work, and it actually leads us closer to God. Yeah. Um, and so his understanding of the spirituality of work comes from his understanding of the secular character of the lay faithful. And by secular, we just mean that they live in the world. That's you know? right, which we is where most laid. of you live. And yeah, work. you know, if you're if you are a lay person, yeah. Jeff. A- I'm what's called a secular priest because I live and work not in a religious community, in a, in a monastery somewhere, right. but out in the world with you. Right, exactly. So with that term, secular, kind of has some pejorative connotations yeah. nowadays, but it's it just means you're out in the world. Um, and that is 
a prime opportunity to evangelize people through your work. Yep. Um, and so in Cristo Fidelis Leici, he wrote, I think just a year after Laborum Exorcens, he points to the Second Vatican Council that discusses that secular character of the lady. And he said that the world, you know, the world, thus becomes the place and the means for the lay faithful to fulfill their Christian vocation. Yeah. Because the world itself is destined to glorify God the Father in Christ. That's exactly right. That's why the world was created. Mm-hmm. The world are you ready? The world was created to give glory to the creator. Exactly, yeah. And we learned that in Star Trek The Motion Picture. Sure, some of us have learned that in Star Trek The Motion Picture. <laughs> but not all of us, sadly. Yeah. No, well, I don't know if it's a sad... Well, anyway, so the laity, as being lay faithful, they live in the world, and we're called to bring the gospel to others. And one of the, the prime ways that we can do this is through our example of Christian living. That yeah. includes our Christian working. Um, and so this is kind of where his understanding of the spirituality of work becomes relevant. So in Laborum Exorcens, the, the encyclical that we're mainly talking about, he says that the word of God's revelation is profoundly marked by the fundamental truth that man, yep. created in the image of God, so we're going back to Genesis, shares by his work in the activity of the creator. And within his own human capabilities, he continues to develop that activity. He perfects it as he advances further and further in the discovery of the resources and values contained in the whole of creation. So work is really this activity of man participating in the divine creativity. And man is meant to bring himself to his work. You know, In all of his creativity, in all of his reason, all of his intellect, all of his will, he's meant to bring all of those things and his virtues as well. Yeah to his work and to transform it um, into into something that is able to be redeemed, you know? And, and this is an interesting uh, uh, motion w- within uh, Pope St. John Paul II, because we believe in the Second Vatican Council documents say it very clearly that, that it is Jesus Christ who perfectly reveals man to himself. Mm-hmm. And, and if that is exactly, if that's true, and it is true, that Jesus reveals human beings to themselves in their fullness— then there must be a value to to the work that we do. No, oh, absolutely. There, there must be a value to that, and and in doing the work that we do well, and in working for what is good, and not just for you know fleeting things, we actually have the ability to make Christ present in the work that we do. Right. And of course, I guess that kind of connects to um, to what religious orders do. Huh? The Benedictine um, kind of motto is "Ora prayer mm-hmm. et labora" work, right. and and part of their prayer is work. And part of their work is a prayer, Yeah, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, and it's so important to go back to that creative aspect in the sense of, you know, divine creation. Because, you know, God created man to be creative himself. Yeah. And and so man in his his working is an image in the image of God. And when you think about, we say that that the world will be uh, redeemed or has been redeemed and will be recreated, you know. You have to think about the fact that when we work, we're contributing to the world as it exists, and that work will someday be in the new creation, will be transformed in Christ. Just as we're transformed in Christ in our baptism um, and by Christ's death and resurrection, you know, all of those things, those transform us body and soul and will one day be in our glorified body, but the world itself will be recreated. And yeah. our, our contributions to that through work will be recreated as well. And I think that's one of the things that we can forget. Uh, and, and I know, Kathleen, it's really tough whenever you, you have a, a, a long work day. Yeah. But, but the notion that, that we are helping as we build this earthly city, mm-hmm. what should be happening is that we are making this earthly city 
uh, as close as possible to to the heavenly city that we aspire yeah. to and that will come about uh, at the second coming of the Lord. Right. Yeah. And and that's that's hard for us to fathom too because we see so many uh, elements of work that are not done well mm-hmm. or not done oriented towards what is good. Huh? Yeah. I also think about like, you know, cause I, I worked in the church and so, you know, when you think about what I, what I do, I'm always like, people are like, Oh, you're, you know, you're forming souls and building the church. And I'm like, yeah. And that can, it has like, it's like, it's good and bad because sometimes you work so hard and you know, a kid is like, well, I just don't believe in Jesus. And you're mm-hmm. like, what? Like yeah. after all <laughs> I just did, you know, but, but on the flip side, um, you know, I don't know what it's like to, to be, to build the kingdom in a secular job uh-huh. yeah. You know? yeah, and how, how that, that must be, um, you know, how do you, how do you make that a prayer and how do you see? That's right. Um, well, I think specifically those who, who are involved in, in uh, say politics, yeah. mm-hmm. especially in the, in the secular world in which we find ourselves today. And I mean, secular in the way that our world means it, huh? Mm-hmm. This, this radically divorced from an experience of God. To be able to be a politician and to try to to work towards work towards those things that support the common good, mm-hmm. and the common good is understood to be that which which is given to us by our Creator that we reflect back to Him. Mm-hmm. Uh, to to be able to 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 sway minds and hearts towards the common good, that's got to be incredibly and increasingly difficult. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you know? especially and because we have such a utilitarian idea of what the common good is. You correct, know, the, yeah. the greatest good for the greatest number of people. Yeah. When no, uh, the common good is something that is everyone needs to participate in it, or else it doesn't work. That's right, and it also has a predefined absolute value. Exactly. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, the common good doesn't uh, doesn't un- unfurl itself as we work towards it. Right. Um, it is given to us, and we work towards it. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Completely different viewpoint of how the world works. And and in that way, there is a spirituality to work if we are working towards that which God allows us to participate in. Right. Yeah. And I think Kathleen's point about, you know, it's hard sometimes to think about how you can um, spiritualize your secular job. You yeah. know, maybe you're working in the fields at an oil refinery or you're, yeah. you're a checkout clerk or something like that. Uh, I think it's, it's a good kind of parallel to think about the fact that the popes in the last... 130-ish years have been writing encyclicals specifically in in the social sphere about political systems, about economic systems, Mm -hmm. um, all the while saying, you know, the church has no models to present. We're not giving you a political system. We're not giving you an economic system. But realizing that these institutions have an effect on souls because they're built by souls yes. mm-hmm. and they're, they in turn come back to either benefit or harm souls. Right. Um, and so the church necessarily has a, a place to step in and say, these, these are the, the, the rights of, of humanity. These are, this is the dignity of humankind. That's it's right. based on the image of God. Go reflect that. Right. Um, and so that's, that's a, something that you can still do in your job, you know, by, by treating your coworkers with kindness, by, yeah. it, by demanding, you know, that your rights be respected as an employee. Um, mm-hmm. that you have benefits that you need. You know what I mean? Like those kinds of things. That's right. Um, yeah. But I, I have met some people um, in in jobs where I think the world around us would say, eh, that's a that's a nothing job. Right. Yeah. But but they have reflected Christ to me in a mm-hmm. way that shows that the, the work that they are doing has meaning to them. Yeah. And of course it's providing for their family and everything, mm-hmm. but but they have found great dignity in the work that they've that they've done. And oftentimes I find that it's those who who do jobs that nobody else really wants to do, <laughs> that yeah. that show the greatest joy in their work. Mm-hmm. There's a real truth to that. 
Yeah. And I think that when we, we get lost in that idea of that there's some jobs that have tremendous value and there's other jobs that by negation don't. Yeah. You think about that that Christ understood the spirituality of work yes. and he himself did not have a, you know, spiritual job, you know. No. He he wasn't an attendant at the temple, you know, he was a carpenter, him and Joseph yeah. both. And that was the man Joseph was the man that he chose to be his spiritual leader yeah. was this lowly carpenter. That's right. Um He was really more or less a part-time rabbi, <laughs> you know. I mean, yeah. I mean that that was the thing. Uh his his uh, his spiritual job, if you will, um, well, that 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 became his primary, mm-hmm. but he still had to work. Exactly. Like St. Paul. St. Paul did the same thing. He was a tent maker. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, and, and in that, the idea that, that, you know, Paul was a tent maker, Christ was a carpenter, uh, the, a lot of the apostles were fishermen, Matthew was a, a tax man. You know, mm-hmm. you, you see in that, and, and John Paul says this, that, that Christ sees the love that human work has within it and the different forms that it takes mm-hmm. and seeing that each of those forms are a particular facet in uh, in man's likeness with God. So those are all a, a way of living out the image of God oh, wow. that we're created in. The little light bulb's going off in my head. And so you see what Jesus does in the Gospels. He takes work, a fisherman, mm-hmm. and then he ennobles it. I will right. make you fisher of men. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He takes tax collecting, mm-hmm. um, which of course in, in Matthew's time, nothing like today, uh, had the capacity to be very corrupt. Mm-hmm. He calls Matthew from tax collecting to go and collect the wages of souls, not right. to collect wow. souls. And so the Lord ennobles work, even in scripture, it's there. How come yeah. I've never seen that before? Mm. <laughs> I love the Bible. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> and that, I mean, that's Christ, that's what he constantly does. He's taking up these things into himself. You know, we see that yeah. in, uh, in Matthew. And revealing humanity to itself perfectly in himself. In himself, because oh, wow. he is human, yeah. He does yeah. this through work. He does it with marriage. You know, in Matthew, whenever he, he raises marriage to the dignity of a sacrament, he's saying, like, this is good. There are some problems. Let's fix them by by letting them live in me, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's the same with work. You know, there there's exploitation even at this time um like you were saying like with the tax collectors people being exploited and having nothing to show for it yeah um and we see that all throughout history and any kind of formulation you can think of people are being exploited but christ brings those things into himself brings ah, he work opens into the himself. wound in his side and he mm-hmm. places all of us all of our work there exactly and he baptizes it huh mm-hmm. with water and the blood that flows out from it yeah oh my it's like a little mini retreat today, Jeff. Wow. Tell you what, I don't know. So thinking about work, we obviously start to think about, or maybe, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but you start to think too about rest. You know, mm. you can't work, 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 work until you die because you will die. And then you're one of the seven dwarves young. and it doesn't work. <laughs> yes, hi-ho, hi-ho, it's not the way to live. That's right. Um, so man imitates God through his act of work, but he also imitates him in his act of rest. Mm. Um, this is where the Sabbath comes from. You know, the seventh day was the day for rest. That's right. It was. It's kind of a commandment, actually. Kind of, a little bit. It's in there somewhere. Um, so man is meant to both work and rest in the Lord. And that's the key is that he's meant to do those things in the Lord. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when you're, you're resting, it's not just a vacation from work, um, but it should be a time of renewal for engaging in the Lord's work, in that that's work right. that you do that's animated with the Spirit of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and not all work is is directly involving the church. You know, and John Paul says this over and over again, yeah. that the Lord's work is not just limited to that sphere of right. ministry explicitly as we think of it today. Yeah. Um, and the, our rest, too, must not only occur on the seventh day. Um, according to God's command, we have to rest on the seventh day. But also it has to leave room, your rest does, for man to prepare himself 
uh, in external action by becoming more and more what in the will of God he ought to be. Um, and basically that means that, that taking time in your day to, like, this is what it means to me, to take time in your day to, to mentally return to, like, what am I doing? Why am I doing mm-hmm. it? Taking that time in prayer to rest in the Lord. Yeah. Um, and all, like, cultivating that relationship helps to cultivate your relationships outwardly with your family, but also in your work your yeah. workplace. Um, and all of that becomes animated by Christ. And interestingly enough, in the priesthood, the, the way that we do that, it's really built into, we have it actually pretty easy, it's built into our day. Mm-hmm. That that we um, we bookend the days with, with uh, the song the prayer of the church, we call it the liturgy of the hours, Mm -hmm. but also at midday, we have offices of prayer that Mm -hmm. we pray. Um, And and one of the prayers uh, in midday prayer is, is, Lord, thank you for this moment of rest from work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And may I go back to work, I'm paraphrasing, may I go back to work renewed in this time that I've shared with you. And so you're even even not just uh, encouraged, but it's part of working well to have little mini Sabbath rests over the course oh, yeah. of the day. Yeah. We think of it as like a lunch break. Right. But yeah. I don't know how many people, um, I, I know like many who work downtown and things like that, they'll go to mass on their mm-hmm. lunch break. Mm-hmm. Not just because it's something to do, but because they need that Sabbath rest. Yeah. I had mm-hmm. a parishioner um, in one of my prior parishes who said, Father, I, I know that I need to come to mass because this is the only time during the week that I can really rest in the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's what the Lord wants us to do. Well, how often do we do we fill our our free time? That's something that I that mm-hmm. over the past like year or so, um, as I've matured and grown up, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've really looked at how is it that I'm using my rest time and like you know because I am a yes ma'am. Like people yeah. are like you want to go here? Yes, mm-hmm. I'm there. In fact, I'm gonna have to leave this place early to go to this thing, mm-hmm. and then I'm gonna have to leave that early to go here. Do you have what they call the FOMO, the yes. fear of missing out? Oh my out? gosh, yeah. I I it, it, I'm I'm dying of the FOMO. That's, <laughs> it's a chronic disease, but um. But yes, and so like being able to say, and I have found a great community. Like last night I was hanging out with some friends all day. I was hanging out. And like, we're going to go watch a movie. And I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to go home. And they're mm-hmm. like, okay, well, this is this. But are you needing some alone time? And I was mm. like, yes. And That's like, a real friend. Yeah. They were like, okay, yeah. cool. You know, and I was able to say, thanks, but yep. I got to go, you know? Mm. Um, and so, yeah, how often do we fill that? free time with other things yeah you know mm-hmm. that are seemingly good and they're seemingly non-work related mm-hmm. um but they're not allowing us that time to rest to yeah. really rest that's right yeah, that's a great point like using your your time outside of work wisely like yeah. thinking about like i mean i know that like one of the buzzwords today is self-care yeah. but i mean you know thinking yeah. about spiritual self-care mm-hmm. in a way and if we um, don't do that then the toil that we experience in work yeah. mm-hmm. has no meaning yeah, yes. or it, it just becomes strictly suffering. Yeah, suffering with no with no end to it, no terminus. It's just suffering yes. cyclically. But but even work and its toils, it's 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 moments of suffering because there is suffering involved in work. Oh yeah, even that has a spiritual component within the context of our working. Oh, of course. You know, we think of suffering in the spiritual life. That that's a common theme. We talk a lot about that uh, in today's world. But I mean, John Paul relates this to work, and he he admits that all work, whether it be manual or intellectual because there is that distinction between you know the work of our hands the work of our minds but all work uh, is inevitably linked with toil yeah. um, 
Uh, but he also says that by enduring the toil of work in union with Christ, who's crucified for us, man collaborates with the Son of God for the redemption of humanity. Mm-hmm. So by your suffering through your work, it's not just needless, it's not meaningless, but it's it allows you to participate in the redemption of humanity. So, you know, yeah. by our work, by the, the products of our work, we could say, we, we participate in the redemption of the universe, of the, of the created yeah. world. And by our suffering in our work, we can participate in the redemption of humanity, of souls. Mm-hmm. That's right. And that's what I often say, and I don't know if parishioners pick up on it, but I, when I, I'll gesture to the cross, and I will, I will say, the work of the cross, Jesus' work on right. the cross, he was going to work yeah. mm-hmm. whenever, whenever he carried the cross and whenever he mm-hmm. hung upon it for our offenses, for our mm-hmm. sins. Mm-hmm. And, and the work that was done, it came about by way of his willingness to, to enter into that toil, but also to bring about redemption. His work had an end in mind. Mm-hmm. And we are currently living in the eighth day of creation, which was brought about because of his work. Right. <laughs> yeah. Just love it. I, just, I get excited about these mm-hmm. sort of things. So, and, but work really does become a gift that that's way. Correct. Because, you know, work is given to us as that's a right. gift. It's the, it's the means of having a family. You have yep. to work to have a family. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's the means of supporting that family. And, and I think he, he says it in another uh, part of the encyclical, it's the condition for family life. You mm-hmm. have to work. Um, but it's also that, that way of uniting ourselves to that redemption that we're participating in, re- uniting ourselves to the cross. And it's a reminder to us when we're suffering, when we're toiling in our work, that the victory of that toil is has already been won. So when we get bogged down in it, you know, really, there are days when you come home and you're just exhausted. You know, I can't do this anymore. Um, but reminding yourself that that this is not the end. This suffering is not the end. It's a participation in something greater, something more. Um, and and we complete our work in that spirit of love for the one who has redeemed us. That's right. And our something more is being full participants, full active and conscious participants in the kingdom of God, which is now. which is upon us, which is in our midst. Well, Jeff, you know what else is in our midst? That part of the show that we like to call... The CU Pick of the Week. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, we we couldn't get through a show without bringing you our Picks of the Week, too, you know? All right, Kathleen, you have a... Double pick? I have a double pick today. Sorry, oh, I'm oh, double dipping. Oh, What's up? And I, I think I've used both of these before, but with Mother's Day coming up. Oh, we're going to need some gifts. You know that I'm a gift giver, boo. She is okay. a giver of gifts. <laughs> yes. And so I have discovered that one of my new favorite gifts to give is good art mm-hmm. and good sacred art. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to throw out two names for you. One, and these are both uh, local to Louisiana. Louisiana. Um, Natalie, uh, one Natalie Haydell, and you can find her at Colors by Natalie on Facebook. That's right. You have made this picture. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's yeah. a good one. And yep. she is, she's so awesome because she does beautiful work. Um, and she does a lot of, 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 you know, paintings of Mary. She just has a new, uh, uh, Pieta out, which is beautiful. Um, some saints, but what's really cool about her is she does some, a lot of abstract art mm-hmm. and she was telling me one day and this, I may be giving away her secret, but, um, <laughs> that she, that even when she paints these abstract pieces that she'll paint crosses within them ah. and she prays for the people even if they're you know even yeah. if they're just somebody who has requested uh, a piece for her. but that's that's colors by natalie on facebook beautiful beautiful um more abstract art but um 
Another one that I want to throw out there is Norman Fauché, and he is... Uh, I want to know why this guy and I haven't hung out before. Y'all would be yeah, best really. friends. <laughs> he, you can find him at uh, Norman Fauché, and that's... It's that's, a Louisiana word, so you're going to yeah. have to wait for the show yeah. notes. Yeah, uh, it'll be in the sh show notes, but you can also find uh, Norman Fauché's Sacred Art on Facebook. Um, yeah. Just phenomenal, tra more traditional, beautiful pieces. He's about to go... Um, to Rome for two years to study sacred art. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. Just a great, great guy. Um, I'm a little also, jealous. He's also about to get married, so let's pray for him and um, and his beautiful fiance. Oh, uh, yes. Yes, and so um, so Norman Fauché Art and uh, Natalie Haydell, Colors by Natalie. Check him out. Um, your mom will love it. Mm-hmm. I like mm -hmm. it. All right, uh, mm -hmm. the follow-up there, Olivia. Yes, mine has nothing to do with that, sorry. That's okay, it's If you're right. into continuity, but it's, you know, it's giving you something new and different. Um, so I was recently looking for a new podcast app because the ones that I had tried in the past either didn't, like I, I used Spotify, but they don't have a, a whole lot and they're not, they're not primarily a podcast mm -hmm. They're heavily curated. Yeah, they're heavily curated. So if you're looking for something specific that you've heard about through a friend of a friend, you know, you can't always find it. So I eventually landed on podcast addict and, you know, I don't like the, the colloquial term addict. use of addict, mm -hmm. but you know, it's a, it's a good app. So we'll just try to forgive them for that. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, it's called podcast addict and it's actually an Android only app. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's Android only. Horrors. I know, but you know, I know there's people out there it's not just me who use android it's products true. it's true and we need help too um but it's three of y'all oh man some iphone uh, uh superiority there took out her earrings on that one <laughs> <laughs> anyway uh it no it really is a great app um our our podcast is on there if you're looking for a new way to listen to catholic underground but yep. also they just have tons and tons of uh, not only uh, podcasts, but ways is, ways to find new ones, ways yeah. to search for them, ways to organize them. Oh, cool. Um, and even the way that they play, you know, I use Bluetooth in my car a lot. And um, if I, I get like a text message or an email or something, it will like kind of pause the sound for a minute oh, while nice. the, so mm. it, I don't miss anything. I don't have to keep going back and, and oh, cool. uh, finding my place. So just little things like that. It's very well Neat. done. Yeah, nice. so podcast addict. There you go. There Jeff, you go. Uh, Jeff, you've been silent in space, but we've been having a lovely chat oh, yeah. down here on I, Earth. But I'm soaking it up. Let me tell you. Yeah, yeah uh, exactly. I also have a, uh, it's a free app, uh, goodrx.com. Mm -hmm. Now, this um, pick of the week is, is free for anybody who needs a prescription filled. So you don't have to belong to anything. You don't have to pay any fees or that business. And I've seen the ads on TV, but it really didn't pay much attention to them. But uh, I recently changed to a direct care physician, mm -hmm. and this gentleman, a Catholic uh, physician, we should has, have him on the show. Oh, we should. He's he's a great guy. He's 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 walked the 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 way the the Santa the Camino, the Camino. Santiago de Compostela. Yeah, that too. There you go, uh, Doctor Roussel. I'll, I'll mention his name. Uh, anyway, he gave me some coupons when I went to visit him. I go to the drugstore, and these are GoodRx coupons. I, I I just thought maybe there was something the doctors had, but no. One of the meds I've been paying 115 bucks a month for. I got for $28 yeah, Wow! just wow. by having this coupon. So you can get the app on your phone, on your computer. You can That's go. Funny. What's really cool is you can just go and it search the area of pharmacies within your location. Yeah. And like the, the amount of the, the drug type, the amount, uh, quantity, dosage, all that business. And it'll pull up a whole list of pharmacies in your area hmm. and, and show the prices. And you just click the, the one you want to go to and print the coupon and take it with you. And, uh, well, that's handy. It is remarkable. Uh, no co-pays under that business. It's, it's just it's wonderful. So check it out. The, um, and, and by the way, Olivia, they have the Android uh, uh, app. <laughs> wonderful. Uh, so if you want to do GoodRx. Fantastic. GoodRx.com.
There you go. GoodRx.com. What is yours, Father? What's your pick of the week? My pick of the week is is upcoming. So if you're watching us, you're listening to us delayed past May 6th, then I don't know what to tell you. Wait for next May. But uh, but Free Comic Book Day is almost upon us. This year it is May 6th, 2017. And uh, and many, uh, most comic book shops participate in Free Comic Book Day. And the idea is on May 6th, the first Saturday in May every year, you go into your local comic book shop, and they have a whole stack of different titles. Um, and and the, the notion is to, to get you reading mm-hmm. and then to get you interested in, in comic books and in that storytelling medium. And so uh, you can go to, on, on the interwebs, you can go to freecomicbookday.com to find out more. And you can also uh, browse some of the titles. And, of course, uh, it's it's worth saying that, that not all comic books are, are uh, created equal. There are some that, that are... That are PG, PG thirteen, and all the way around, huh? But uh, but one of the beautiful things about comic books is it is a, it is a storytelling platform, and I have had some very good um, stories that have been told of a religious character and not through the medium of comic books. Hmm. And so, Free Comic Book Day is uh, is uh, one of the ways to do that. Free Comic Book Day dot com and um and if you if you want uh, to have somebody endorse this the the young man who is playing the new spider-man tom holland has a little video there mm. to encourage you to participate in in free comic book day oh, nice. he really is young he is young he's quite young i think that's so because that's now we are old uh, oh, that, is that really yeah. the reason oh, speak no. for yourself actually um tom holland looks more like the spider-man in a lot of the comic books um that that uh, mm. that I've read, you know, mm. um, I think in 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 the Golden Age Spider-Man, you know, uh, when it was first created, um, he he was rather he was in high school, but he looked like a, a college student, you know. And then when they, they rebooted Spider-Man in the in the mid twenty hundreds, whatever whatever we call the millennium, <laughs> um, he was he was a younger looking high school student. <laughs> I don't know. There we go. Okay. So uh, if you want all of our information, you can you can. Uh, Go to yeah, you can go to CatholicUnderground.com. And Jeff, we are always thankful for those who who support us, aren't we? We are, Father. And this week, Catholic Underground is possible because of people like you. Just join the growing number of undergrounders at CatholicUnderground.com/slash/donate. Also, portions of the Catholic Underground are brought to you by AudibleTrial.com/slash Catholic Underground. That's AudibleTrial.com/slash Catholic Underground. And also by Mystic Monk Coffee. More information at CatholicUnderground.tv. That is exactly right. Uh, somebody in the chat room says, can you spell Norman Fauché? N-O-R-M-A-N-F-A-U-C-H-E-U-X.com if you want to go to him from our pick of the week. You can get all of our information at catholicunderground.com. If you want to subscribe to the podcast, find out about our apostolate, that's the place to do it. Our panelists have been Kathleen Lee. She's the faith ninja. She's our hope samurai. She joins us. Also, Olivia Galino. Our technical director is Jeff Blackwell in space. Our research assistant, the leader of the crew in the lab, is Jim Hayes. Uh, We've also named him a producer because he basically is. Um, Our video director this week has been Ed Ball alongside of Katie Richard, the, uh, the graphics operator. You know me. I am Father Chris Decker, and you can follow me on Twitter at Digital Catholic. We hope that we've helped you to cut through the noise and find that still small voice. We are the Catholic Underground. We are Faith Gone Digital, and we will see you next time.
from the Catholic Underground.